Welcome to the Choosing Happiness Podcast with me, your host, Rudrani Davy, the Happiness Lady. In these conversations, we will be discussing an uncommon way to find joy in your life with weekly special guests. Did you know you could choose your happy? Won't you come and play and discover how these magical tools could work for you? Let's do this. Well, howdy, y'all. Rudrani Davy, the Happiness Lady, even wrote a book about it. Choosing Happiness, An Uncommon Way to Find Joy in Your Life. And I am thrilled to have my next podcast guest, Dr. Stephen Kravitz. We have a relationship, a patient-doctor relationship, y'all. And I'm, I'm super excited. Um, I am working on a book, full disclosure. Um, and I wanted to interview the folks that helped me get through uh, my crazy falling apart PTSD and symptoms and weird stuff and all that. So I'm super grateful to Dr. Steve for all that he has done for me. And let me give him a proper introduction. Uh, Dr. Steve Kravitz has been in practice for over 25 years, y'all, and treats infants, children, and adults with a combined approach of physical therapy and advanced manual therapies drawn from the Oh my goddess, it's a big word. Osteopathic philosophy? Okay. Including therapy such as, and this is one's my favorite, y'all. It's cranial sacral therapy, myofascial release, visceral manipulation, and nerve mobilization. And what's so cool, I mean, he'll be like, you know, feels like he's doing nothing, like barely moving stuff, and then I'll feel something a completely different part of my body. It's fascinating, but I'd rather him tell you all about it. Without further ado, thank you so much, Dr. Steve, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. So, <laughs> can you tell my listeners a little bit more about what it is you do? Or, you know, because you've got, you've, you've rolled in a lot of things there. Yeah, there's a lot of names uh, some people can't pronounce. And uh, <laughs> there's, um, they're basically disciplines that are, you know, a combination of different disciplines where I'm using mostly just my hands to kind of look around the body and feel and locate and find either tensions, restrictions, compressions in the in the actual physical tissue. Uh, and you can get a specific down to a pinpoint of working on a little pinpoint of a cranial nerve down to working on an organ system, which is visceral manipulation and working on the whole spine and the fluids within the body through craniosacral therapy. And uh, I do a lot of nerve mobilization, which is either working on cranial nerves or peripheral nerves, which basically run throughout the whole body like spaghetti. Oh, I did not expect that. Mm -hmm. I do like spaghetti though. Um, <laughs> well, I find it, you said visceral. So is that like this, what's connected right to the, is it the tissue that's connected to the skin? Can you explain um, a little bit? Visceral uh, means organ. Oh, yeah. So visceral manipulation is uh, a whole system of therapy where uh, it was created and developed by Jean-Pierre Barral, a French osteopath. And he uh, was basically in the French Alps and found there was a faith healer in the middle of the Alps that was uh, digging on people's bellies with his hands. And he got one of his patients better that he was like working on this patient and he got this patient better and had had to basically seek out this guy in the middle of the French Alps. And the guy was basically uh, just moving and digging around on people's bellies, probably almost like a Mayan abdominal massage, you know, so this is probably like an ancient form of, of therapy where people were working on different abdominal organs and visceral organs like the liver or the stomach or the bladder or the kidneys. And you could pretty much put your hand on, on the body and assess whether or not um, there's a organ related restriction or tension or tightness and put your hand on and assess, uh, is this an organ restriction? Is the organ actually does, is the motility functioning, which is motility is like a, a breathing in and a breathing out. It's a called an inspire and expire. And it moves in a rhythmical cycle. So you could kind of tell a lot about uh, the way an or one particular organ, let's say the liver is functioning and whether it's healthy or maybe, you know, there's, 
some dis-ease, not disease, disease <laughs> in the right. tissue itself. And then you use your hands to influence this really fascial connections and the ligamentous connections to the, the organ systems to improve the health of the way that that organ functions. That's amazing. And you know that just by putting your hands on someone's body, tell me about that. You're reading yeah. their body. How? Right. So half of the training that I've done and uh, a lot of it uh, specifically through the Baral Institute, which is, you know, Jean-Pierre Baral's uh, this uh, developer of visceral work and other works too, is um, you can put your hands on the body and they call it listening. So you're instead of with your ears listening, you're listening with your hands. Huh. So you put your hands on the on the physical tissue and you could feel a, a pulls or tensional lines that you know, if you're looking at the body, let's say sometimes I'll start at the feet and you could feel like a pull to the liver or the right rib cage of the body if that's an area that may need some work. And then you could get more specific and get closer to it. And no matter where you put your hands, if the liver is what needs work, everywhere you put your hands will lead in the body to that spot. Is it, is it, the a, the meridian? Huh? Is it, is it the meridian system that you're following or, or something else? It's just a, you the know, like the spaghetti, you were talking about the spaghetti. Yeah, this is lots of spaghetti with nerves, but, uh, you know, oh. and the nerves actually innervate these, the organ system. So the organs would be like a, like a pile of mush that has not, no function without the central nervous system and the nerve that innervates mm -hmm. it and makes it work. Like pretty much the, the, you know, the central nervous system makes everything, a muscle, a, you know, uh, you know, an organ, uh, you know, all the arterial systems, everything like kind of in the body needs to go, you know, be driven through, through the brain and the spinal cord. Wow. So, yeah, so it's, um, you know, like a heart wouldn't pump through the arteries without a nerve that innervates it and tells it to, to pump. Huh, interesting. So, it's amazing how the body knows what to do without us asking it. You know? Yeah, I know. It's And it's, that's part of the reason why I got into this work is, it was probably the most mind-blowing thing I could possibly think of working with and studying and kind of dedicating my life to uh, the, how the human body works because it's just fascinating. And everything that's working in our body and sometimes not working as well as it could is um, it's literally like a walking miracle every second of every day. Hmm. So what actually drove you to explore this further and then make it your career? I mean, 25 years. Yeah, it's, um, well, you know, I, I found it in a way that, you know, some, you know, I, I basically was always interested in how the body worked and always interested in nutrition and, you know, always interested in exercise. And, um, but I was stuck in this terrible finance job. I was in Manhattan and working in uh, like on down on Wall Street and finance and, and just chained to my desk. And, uh, and I, knew there was something more out there and I just listened to that inside myself and started exploring and seeking out and trying to figure out like is there a way for me to get involved in healthcare and I literally just simply read uh, it was a book it was actually Andrew Wiles a spontaneous healing book I have read that it. book that's yeah, crazy so uh, okay I didn't know this uh, this guy an osteopath named Dr. Fulford and um he was uh, describing all the osteopathic philosophies and <laughs> and how they use their hands to diagnose and treat and influence things in the body. And he had some pretty interesting treatment methods, but um, that I learned about it. And as soon as I read about it, something just clicked on the inside. I just knew a little light bulb went off and said, I really I want to learn more about that. And then mm -hmm. ever since that day, I kind of just pursued it um, with reckless abandon. <laughs> That's how I am. I'm, I'm like a dog with a bone when I get interested in stuff. And y'all know, because you've heard me on other podcasts, it's like crazy balls. Um, yeah. So interesting. So there wasn't any, you were always into health, but there wasn't like anything chronic that happened in your world that made you look at it. Do you actually go to someone like you prior to you choosing? Yeah, one of my mentors was, well, so I learned about it. And then I went to a conference and saw one of the developers of craniosacral therapy, Dr. Upledger. I saw him do a, a, a one hour session with uh, Barbara Brennan, who oh. right, does like the aura healing. So it was this osteopathic physician in, in this, you know, uh, energetic aura seeing and reading mm -hmm. healer 
working together on a table for somebody like, uh, you know, on somebody for an, a full hour together. And he was doing his thing and she was explaining her thing. And I just left it out of there. I was like literally glowing. It was wow. the most mind blowing thing. And then I, that's how I got more interested in craniosacral therapy. So I started learning as much as I could about that. And then I did uh, seven years of training and then went to physical therapy school. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Out of uh, doing finance, y'all. So, you know, yeah, they drove me as far away as possible. <laughs> yes. so, so I'm just just a word to my listeners. Um, you know, if you're really hating your job, maybe, you know, this is this could be the little push, this contribution, this conversation that perhaps, you know, you could look into, hey, you know, this is actually exciting me. And what else is possible? What could I actually create if I decided to journey it? You know, don't don't leave your day job, but maybe look at other possibilities. Cause I mean, I had no idea you were a finance guy. Yeah. I was an older student when I went to back to school when I was uh, like tw uh, 20, uh, like 30, around 30. 30. Oh, now we know how old you are. Cause you've been practicing for yeah, 25 years. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, I would always tell, yeah, encourage people. It's not, it's never too late to start. And it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, story. don't just, you know, you know, work some job just to pay the bills. It should have meaning and, you mm -hmm. know, give yourself a sense of purpose and get you out of bed way better in the morning. Right. If you're excited about what you do, it's not a job. That's how I feel. Yeah. Like I feel so every, lucky. every day is a learning experience. I never feel like I know enough and I always mm -hmm. want to learn. Every patient lays on my table every hour, every day teaches me something. Oh, I, I love that. And I love how we commune while I'm on the table and you're telling me, you know, you're, for example, you guys. So for those of you that know, and if you don't just Google Rudrani Davy in Mumbai. Okay. And you'll get the rest of the story, but I have a neck injury that occasionally something irritates it. And I have uh, my shoulder were hurt. I'll get this road radiating pain down my arm where I can't feel these two fingers. Uh, and for those of you that are not on YouTube you should jump over because Dr. Steve, good looking man. Um, but my pinky, my ring finger on my right hand will kind of go numb and I'll have this radiating pain. And this time, and I don't even know what triggers it really and truly. Maybe it's stress. Who knows? You could probably speak to that. But my knee, my right knee was starting to bother me. I was getting on my treadmill every morning and knocking out about 7,000 steps so I could get my 10,000 steps in, you know, for the rest of the day. And um, it started to really hurt. And then all this other stuff started happening. So I, I went to, I reconnected with Steve actually last week. I reached out and called. I was like, okay, universe, I really need to get in. I know how booked out Steve gets. What else is possible? I call um, the receptionist answers and I'm like, I need to get in as quickly as I can. I know he books out. What's the earliest? Well, we just had a cancellation for tomorrow. And I'm like, it's probably the person out of the, the out of the spot. That's kind of, <laughs> I think, always how you book with me. You're like, you get the decision, like, I want to come in, and somebody just gets out of the way. They do. <laughs> that powerful, y'all. I think that's you know, how it goes. Dude, it happens. It, you're right. It always happens that way, doesn't yeah, it? It's like whenever it's chronic things. <laughs> mm. Not that I always have chronic pain. I haven't actually seen Steve in probably a year and a half, I'm guessing-ish. Yeah, you've been doing great, I hear. Yeah, yeah uh, I've been yeah. feeling great. My body was doing wonderfully. I've, I've been lifting weights. I did a three-month uh, three challenge to eat macros and to do body uh, weightlifting again and, and get my 10,000 steps in and all this. And namely, I wanted to build muscle and I wanted to have stamina because I've been traveling a lot. And I, some of y'all know that I have a band and I perform with other people. And I noticed that, you know, COVID, we came out of COVID and I'm like, I'm winded. I don't have the energy I used to have. Um, my bicep looking in the other direction instead of being the big old muscle I did now. So I did this three month challenge and I'm feeling great. And this is literally like two weeks after the challenge, all this stuff started occurring. I'm going, Hey, what? Huh? That's weird. Cause I know that I'm the person I'm training with him is giving great placement and all this. So I reach out, I managed to throw this other person out of the way so I could get up in the next day. And, um, Steve works on me, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm leaving and I feel terrible. My back hurt. I'm like suffering. I'm like, Oh my God. And Steve's like, well, you know, I, I very rarely take an Advil. I'm like, Steve, what can I do? And he goes, take an Advil, maybe, you know, hot bath or something. I'm like, I'll get in my hot tub. And then sure enough, I did that slept 
really well for first time in, a, in about two weeks because the pain had been getting stronger and stronger for me. And I woke up and I was like 90% painless. And then the next day it was all gone. I'm like, so I got really righteous and started jumping back up into my workout, not walking, but the other stuff. And it kind of came back again. And I had some trigger points done too with Dr. Deering, which is an, another podcast. We did like trigger points is where you, you find the muscle that is hurting and you inject lidocaine mixture, you know, magical mixture, whatever. And that helps relax the muscles as well. So it started to come back and I'm like, damn it. Okay. We had already scheduled because I wanted a follow up. And then I managed to get in with Deering right before getting to you. So I had the shots. I come to see you yesterday, y'all. Yesterday. <laughs> and I'm like suffering. Oh God, it's all back. Now my other side's starting to. And so he does his magic. And I was like, oh, I'm limping out of here. What the? Would you explain it to me? Sometimes it take a minute. So I had me an Advil and a cocktail. I wanted to make sure I slept through the night. And I woke up and I'm pain-free. I even worked out this morning. That's great. I mean, magic. You are Mr. Magic Man with the magic hands. Oh, yay. Who sings that? He's a magic man. Wait. He's a magic man. Yeah. Anyway, I can't sing your praises enough. But I would like to know your take on why, you know, pain will be gone for so long and then maybe show up. Or what do you know about that? I mean, I'm not blaming my body. I'm like, okay, body, we're going to give you a little bit of a break. So, you know, it's, can you speak it, to that? It, yeah. It's such a huge question, um, maybe more so than you realize. <laughs> but because uh, pain is sorry, pain not is sorry, very uh, misunderstood, and there's they're learning a lot about it now. There's um, uh, these two uh, people, I believe, out of Australia, Lorimer and Mosley, created uh, this book called Explaining Pain, and oh. they're basically finding that pain. Uh, doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. And uh, like where the pain is in your body and the way that your brain sends an impulse, this is the most basic way to describe it. It gets so complicated. I can't even like sometimes even understand what they're talking about, but. I'm they, getting this book, by the way, I'm writing down, I'm taking notes and I'm going to put it in the show notes later. Uh, yeah. Is really, yeah, it's quite a, quite a, uh, quite a read. And okay. they're basically, they've found that, the same impulse that your brain sends to an area with pain is the same impulse that it sends to an area without pain. So they don't know that there's no brain impulse that's consistent, that makes an area painful. So then they start to say, okay, well, then there's a lot of, there's a new biopsychosocial model, it's BPS model, that they're saying that there might be something to the emotions and, and something to the way that the person relates to their own pain that might be driving the way that they feel in their in the in the tissue or in their shoulder, wherever they're having the symptom, more so than it being um, you know, the shoulders out or the joint is compressed or the nerve is being pinched or you know, something. So they're they're really they're learning a lot, but there's still so much that is uh mysterious about pain so i would probably be a fool to try to answer that really correctly without knowing all the explaining so, science you know uh, which you know is a whole novel that's that's interesting so it could be that you have a point of view about something you know like oh that's stressing you out and that could cause the pain right and they want to tell people in the book uh, they would say you don't want to own your pain. You don't say, oh, that's my pain, my show, my right shoulder pain. You don't want to own it. You you want to acknowledge it. Okay, that's an area that, you know, uh, that there is pain, but it's not my pain. And, you know, you try, they try to help you relate to it in a different way that you hmm. could almost, you know, through coaching and through uh, verbal dialogue, help somebody through their pain. So there, there's a lot of, um, you know, people finding different mechanisms of helping people in this, you know, to relieve their pain. You know, uh, Dr. Sarno was, uh, he was the one that did a lot of um, uh, work working with the limbic system and the rage response. 
Rage response. Yeah, so people that were like had some kind of anger, pent up frustration in their body would sometimes manifest it as like a low back pain. So we would work on this limbic response and and get them to manage and deal with their rage response or their anger. And lo and behold, their back pain would go away. However, uh, you know, I would find sometimes these people, they would come into my office and say, oh, yeah, I read Dr. Sarno's book. My back pain went away. But then you'd feel physical restrictions in the back that they had before they read the book and then after. So there you would see like a rotation in the spine and like, you know, like maybe a side bend and a rotation in like an L5 vertebrae. It was still there. So their mind and the way their mind related to it um, somehow got discharged of that emotion and made them disconnect from that pain response. So, so that's fascinating. You know, I, I, you know, I, um, that's amazing. Yeah. It's that's amazing. I know in access consciousness, we always, we, we, it's not that we're disassociating with the body, but we call this the body and then the infinite self or the body and the being. And, you know, the being is animating the body, I guess, or your soul or whatever you want to call it. So in access, we always say, yeah, my, my body is crying (laughs) or my body's in pain. You know, it's like, it's not like I'm crying. I'm in pain. It's like, we don't, we don't actually take it on as our pain. We can acknowledge that our body is trying to show us something. Yeah. Like a signal that should be paid attention to Mm -hmm. not like um, coddled and like, you know, owned in like a full ownership of. Right. I love, gosh. So it's interesting you said that because I mean, I, I read, um, the body keeps the score. You aware of that book? Sure. I had to stop reading it because it was giving me PTSD. <laughs> yeah. I was reading it during the time that I was discovering that my symptoms were related to PTSD that I had stored in my body. So y'all were getting ready to talk about me now anyway, <laughs> and how I found this dude, all the stuff. Um, Literally, uh, I was going to a homeopathist that recommended the book. So I bought like three books she recommended, but that was the one calling me and I started to read it and I'm like, oh my goddess, y'all. He's talking about how you cope to try to stuff your PTSD if you're not taking medications. Because I wasn't taking depression medication. But here I was, a marathon runner, um, perfectionist, OCD, um, you know, uh, ADHD, autism, never diagnosed for it, but I had all the symptoms for that as well. I mean, so many things and I had to stop reading the book because it was freaking me out. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been doing all of this to keep this PTSD from coming to the surface, like extreme sports people. A lot of those might be people that were traumatized. How do they have that discipline? Because controlling themselves is really the only control they have in their world, at least I'm going to tell my story. That's how it was for me. I thought, you know, I can control this. I can control. I was a bodybuilder, all these, you know, marathon runner, da, 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 blah, 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 blah. So I, I had to, I had to put the book on the shelf because I was actually starting to read it when all my symptoms were coming up, were showing up. And I remember, um, and this is before I went to seek help, that I was talking to a colleague of mine who used to, to work with, um, I don't know exactly what her position position was, but he, she worked with a lot of people that had mental health issues or brain injuries and all of that. And I don't know if you guys know I me, mean, I have pretty severe brain injury, but I'm, according to Dr. Deering, one of the most highly functioning people with one, if you want to you know, go back to that interview. Um, and he explains it brilliantly. But what had happened was that I had had a conversation with one of my colleagues. And then the next morning, I didn't remember it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to call her and update her with all these things. This short-term memory loss is part of the PTSD stuff. And I'll be honest, I, I still got it. Okay. I mean, I'll out myself. I mean, literally uh, ordered some manuals last night. And then this morning forgot that I'd order them and went to reorder them until my assistant said, Hey, you ordered those last night, girl, what's your problem? I'm like, oh, God, whatever. So it still happens if I'm tired and I'm not paying attention. So I call her and she basically facilitated me through what she calls unwinding where I sat on the couch and she asked me to ask my body to do whatever it needed to do to let go of whatever it was holding on to, to keep me from exploding is how I want to explain it. 
And so my body just started doing this really weird moving. And then before I knew it, it's jerking around. I'm like, and she goes, just go with it, flow with it, you know, be cool. <laughs> Your body knows what it's doing. And it was all that stuff that I had been trying to keep locked in my body that my body is so smart. It knew what it needed to do to unwind it, to heal it. Bodies are brilliant, right? And so that's what led me to all of it. Because then I went to um, Gary Douglas, who was the founder of Access Consciousness. And he's like, find, find a good homeopath. And from there, um, I found um, Dr. Deering, who specializes in chiropractic and um, brain injuries. And from there, I got to you because I knew there was another component I required. I'm like, does anybody know somebody that's cranial sacral? Cause I, I just, I knew that was going to change things for me. And Lori, Lori Ann Jones, <coughs> excuse me. She's an amazing reflexologist. She is a massage therapist. And we both know her. She's the bomb.com y'all. Um, and booked out like this one. It's hard to get in with her. Just saying. The, the, do you remember when you first came um, that I think that you were probably one of the first people I ever met that uh, that got COVID? Do you remember yeah. that? You came to me for a yeah. cough and it was in the fall of 2019. Yeah. I think you had just been to Italy or somewhere. You were jet set or you can't keep I'm all over the place, y'all. But like... But I believe you were like had just been in Italy mm -hmm. and it was, you know, months before the pandemic, which is yep. March of 2020. This was like September, October 2019. September, and you came yeah. to me for the first time to say I have a really bad cough. And you were like, you said, oh, I, you went to the, the doctor and they did an x-ray of your lungs and it looked like there was glass in your lungs. Mm -hmm. Ground glass is what oh. they called it. And my, my lungs were at 80% capacity. My doctor, after I got over it, said you were dying. <laughs> yeah, your, yeah, your oh yeah, your oh, oxygen saturation was like supremely low, and mm -hmm. you were all the sessions you were coming. I was trying to do visceral work on your bronchi mm -hmm. and your lungs, and trying to get you out of this cough. And meanwhile, I'm like inches away from your face, and you're probably breathing COVID <laughs> all over. I'm sure. I never wound up getting sick, thankfully. But uh, but yeah, you had uh, that's how we met. I uh, that's true, and you guys, I was a long hauler. It was September through February of 2020 before I wasn't coughing anymore. I was, uh, they diagnosed me with COPD. I had the inhaler. I had a machine that I was breathing on three times a day. I was seeing this guy once or twice a week, uh, Dr. Deering as well, as well as, um, you know, Marnie Richmond. And I was like, I mean, I had, you know, and they're not covered by insurance, by the way, y'all. But all the uh, doctors, all they wanted to do was put me on a respirator. They couldn't explain it. She asked me if I was vaping. I'm like, hell no, I'm not vaping. What you talking about? I'm all holistic and shit. Why would I do that to my body? You know, but that's what it looked like. And then it took me so long to get over it, which is why we're having this conversation because I want to write a book about all those experiences and how you can, you know, you may not, you know, I don't know, you might have to win the lottery. I'm just joking. Insurance won't cover the holistic stuff yet. I'm hoping one day that that happens. But yeah, that's what was going on. And I'll tell you this, you were digging into my chest. Like you were talking about manipulating organs. I remember you going and you, he was like grabbing me, <laughs> digging this, you know, it's like this crazy. And there were marks, man. No, I'm just joking. It was like red, red leaf. It was like where he'd like pull, it felt like he was pulling the skin off my bones, y'all. But magically, like the next day, I would feel so much better. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he knows something, you know, and my body is so smart. It was like, go back to that guy. Well, that hurt a lot. Not really. <laughs> I was like, I, it was like yesterday walking out of your office, limping and going, I hope Celeste doesn't notice I'm limping, but she was still teaching piano. That's my mom, in case y'all didn't know. And um, moved her in with me during the COVID and so she's teaching lessons and I'm talking to my assistant who's in town right now. And I'm like, Oh my God, did I make a mistake? She goes, well, let's check in in the morning. I said, we're supposed to work out tomorrow. Morning. I can't even walk. But by the time she, an hour later, she showed up, I was walking normally. I had my Advil. I had a cocktail. It was all good. And I passed out hard during the little mermaid. I did. We decided to watch. Little mermaid. I just watched Moana with my daughter the other day. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember bits and pieces. Yeah, like I, movie. <laughs> we don't have a daughter or a young person. We just, you know, we just like Disney. Anyway, just like movies, yeah. We do cartoons and stuff. What did you think when you met me? And I'm like coughing all over. How long? Oh, you were like, oh, she dying. It was, you know, obviously we didn't know what COVID was at the time. And mm -hmm. you must have been, you know, past the stage of uh, where you were contagious and breathing. So you probably had, to had it before and then found me. But we were treating the yeah, long COVID uh, symptoms, most likely. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you were fascinating. I mean, on every level with because you had the lung stuff and then, you know, you had this, uh, the hyperkinetic movement where you would uh, be on the table. We'd be like working on your head and you'd be like, like, like <laughs> your, I mean, it was your left arm would just like, like, like a ballistic movement. Right. And it was, you know, I've been doing this a long time and I hadn't really seen um, that reaction from such subtle work and, you know, we mm -hmm. were doing cranial work and I was working on your cranial nerves and we were working on, um, you know, different parts of your brain and your uh, hypothalamic pituitary axis. And we were doing, you know, a cranial venous sinus work to try to get your, uh, I remember when you first came, your head wasn't circulating from a, yeah. a, 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 like a venous and cerebral spinal fluid uh, standpoint. So that's kind of what I did with you, I was working in the lungs, but also trying to get your the mechanism of your uh, ventricular system and your venous sinus system open in your head to then kind of, so from there you work uh, on the way uh, on more external uh, structures like membranous systems and bony structures. And, you know, you could start to do um, uh, different types of technique there, but starting with your circulation in your head was, I remember, crucial for when you first came. And I think because you came with other, you know, uh, other symptoms too. Right. Right. And I, and you guys, I, I lost 20 pounds. It was a weird thing. I couldn't breathe. I was having a hard time breathing. So, you know, you got two holes. <laughs> you got your nose, you got your mouth. And so I was so stopped up in my sinus area that it was so hard for me to eat. And I would choke on salad. So I was doing a lot of liquid stuff. I tried weight on, which by the way, doesn't work. I mean, I, I just was doing everything I could to get calories in me. I wasn't working out at all. I couldn't, I had no strength. Um, there were about uh, three months where I was walking with a cane. It was hard for me to get to the mailbox. Imagine driving to go see Steve. I mean, I was like, I would go and pass out on your table, even though my arm was flopping and my right leg would flop. And it was like I was wired backwards or at least, you know, I don't know if you noticed that, but that's something that Dr. Deering pointed out to me later. You guys were so kind because you didn't let me know how freaky you thought I was or extreme yeah. until after I was on the other side of it. Definitely times where I was like, how did she get to my office? And more importantly, how is she going to get home? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. never asked me to text him back when I was safely home, though. Just saying. Anyway, I digress. All the things. But yeah, it was I had posted notes everywhere to remind me of what I needed to do. Fortunately, Siri was my assistant. I would, you know, I'd be like, I got to whisper it because the my the old, hey, Siri. You know, oh, no, already answered. Stop it. I'm not really talking to you. Um, you know, what day is it? What's my first appointment? What time is it? Um, but I, I actually had a sticky note on my bathroom window that reminded me to brush my teeth. It was that bad. And I still managed to get to you. And I remember in the beginning of it, when I didn't know what it was and I was going to Pilates um, three times a week, there were several times where I would show up at the wrong time or I had forgotten to book myself. So there wasn't a reformer for me. And finally I was doing privates um, with this other girl and I showed up a whole hour earlier and the lady just happened to be there because she was going to do some work on her computer. And she's like, I've been really worried about you. You've been repeating yourself a lot and you seem disoriented. And I had to, you know, follow my sword and go, girl, this thing is creating short-term memory loss. It's, it's a wonder I'm actually getting through the day. I was, you guys, I was sleeping hours a day because it was so exhausting just to get to my doctor's appointments. And you were managing, you were managing a significant amount of pain from what I remember when you were coming initially, you 
were having a lot of headaches and migraines and a lot of, uh, remember, ne- uh, left side of neck pain. Mm-hmm. It was shooting to the bo- really left arm, right arm. On any given day, it could be down your leg. It was, you were managing a lot. I, I wanted to die. I mean, I wasn't going to kill myself, but it was like, God, please, if I have to live like this for the rest of my life, I cannot do it. I cannot do it. You know? Now look at you. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah just, you're kind of a miraculously uh you know probably a true test of your will to to want to keep going to 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 keep you know getting yourself to your appointments mm. and you know doing the work you needed to do to get yourself better so it's a true testament to how to you know dedicate you were to your own body yeah getting better i am stubborn tell me that i can do something mm-hmm. And I will do everything uh, to prove you wrong. And you know what? Here's the thing. I've had a lot of people. I remember when I got shot and I was doing the book tour and people were like, how in the world are you here? How are you happy? What do you, how are you the happiness lady? You know, all this stuff. And I, to me, I was like, I didn't have a choice y'all. I didn't feel like I had a choice at all. Serious. It was like, my job now is to heal. Got to heal things to do blah, 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 you know? So, and I had been through it. I mean, I was India, you know, that was amazing. It took me, you know, over two years to be able to walk and not even unassisted. And then I ran the Boston Marathon. Huh? Were you in a wheelchair for a little bit? I was in a wheelchair off and on for two years because they would do work on me. And I mean, I had to have um, x-rays like because they were watching the bone growth. My leg was shattered. In India, they thought it was cracked. They thought the bullet had just chipped one of the bones and it had shattered my entire femur. So my doctor told me, I don't even know how you flew home. If somebody, if you'd fallen, your whole leg would have been destroyed and you would have died because the bullet landed next to the femoral artery. So they basically made a... That would kill you. They did a prosthesis. Instead of a prosthetic, it's prosthesis where they keep clamping it tighter and tighter and tighter around your leg to keep it together. Until the bone could grow back. Uh, Okay. And then once it was finally established and all together, because my knee had kneecap had reset wrong, (laughs) they had to detach the kneecap and then redo it the way it was supposed to be. I'm back in a wheelchair again. You know, it was, I'm amazed. My body is pretty resilient, y'all. And now you're doing Pilates and like intense workouts and yeah, you, yeah it's uh, the gun. <laughs> Welcome to the gun show, y'all. Go over to the YouTube because then you get to see this pretty muscle I got now. I can do push-ups now for shizzle. It's happening. All the things. But then this neck thing showed up, you know, and, and I was like, can I mean to reach out to him? I want to, I want to do this other book. I started early 2020 and the working title is PTSD and me. And I thought that going to piss some people off because everybody is freaking out right now. So I put it on the back burner, worked on a different book. And now I'm working on this book again and another book, which I'm not going to tell you all about. It's a big secret. It'll come out when it come out. Just saying. So it's very timely. I feel like our uh, entire world has a little bit of PTSD after COVID yeah. and, uh, we all had to, in our own way, deal with so much trauma and so much intensity. And uh, I feel like a um, good time uh, to bring out a book about the happiness book and, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, venture into the tough topic of PTSD, mm-hmm. which is you know, a serious topic. You know, it's uh, some people suffer greatly. I, I, I'll tell you something, Steve. I um, I was I was. Um at the castle in Italy that the company I work with owns and finally decided it was time for me to get into that book because I knew I was going to look at finishing it. And so I bought it on audio because there's a lot of flights to get to Italy, to Milano, which is where I went. Uh, Tuscany is where the castle is. It's like an hour drive from Milano. So I listened to it on the planes I listened to it in the mornings when I was getting ready and it is some pretty intense stuff. I mean, wow. So I'm really hoping that this book can be a contribution in a way that maybe it isn't so intense that shows people because 
he was basically showing us, you know, how they discovered PTSD, the wrong and right ways of dealing with it. Because the, the writer, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he basically said he was part of the problem in the beginning because he was the one that, that was saying we need to give them antidepressants to quieten down all that stuff instead of allowing it to unwind in the body. And, you know, they used to do shock treatments, y'all, if they thought she was crazy or, you know, you couldn't deal with your stuff and it was coming up in your world. They would do shock treatments thinking that was going to fix it. And that actually kind of made it worse. And he didn't realize it until he, because he had the job of interviewing a lot of different patients and um, they didn't want to talk about, you know, had they been raped by a family member or, um, you know, you, you, you leave your body when stuff like that happens and then it's funny how a lot of those men and women both would recreate it in their adult lives and so i was like okay you know i was abused by my father not sexually that i can remember but i don't think he liked women in that way but you know physically and it when i started to have the ptsd symptoms it was not about being shot in india it had everything to do with all the abuse as a child and what I recreated in relationships further into my adult life. Cause we have a tendency, you know, they say you only, you show the love you, yeah, you only know the love you show, or you only show the love, you know, and you recreate it over and over again. And, um, I was finding the energy of those that were familiar. Oh, you know, abusive verbally like my dad and whatever stuff. And God only knows what he must've gone through to create that. I'm not blaming him. After, you know, listening to this book, I kind of get it. I mean, you get programmed into all of it. Yeah, you don't know sometimes what somebody else's experience and mm -hmm. how that, you know, manifested into their life. And then they the cycle sometimes will perpetuate. Well, I'm curious. So when you're working on people, uh, you know, what you do, y'all, you stand in front of Steve and you look at your body. And then you turn sideways and they turn around. He looks at your booty. I mean, he looks at your, he looks at all the, I'm just teasing. And then, and then you turn the other way. So he kind of assesses and then the hands on stuff and all the things. So when people call, come to you, they're usually coming to you for pain, correct? That's generally how people find me. Like half the time I would say is uh, they have some kind of ache or pain and they, are looking for some relief <laughs> and they realize that I'm doing more than just working on the, you know, and physical tissue and pain, you know, with um, <laughs> like, work on a whole host of things. So but that's generally how people find me. Okay. And so then you start to work on them to unwind this pain. Do they ever start to go into a story that, how do you, do you, I know you're not like a psychiatrist or anything. Um, I'm just curious because I know what our relationship is. I'm very, I'm an open book, and um, and I know I'm weird. <laughs> Limbs, you know. I was like, "Gosh, Steve, I hope I don't smack you." And he goes, "Me too." <laughs> you know, in the beginning, it was all over the place, y'all. I'd be like jumping, you know, or I'd pass out, you know, like that Z's. So, typically, when someone comes in for pain, do they ever get to that? Um, that connection you were talking about before where they have an emotion like, like the anger freak that has a lower back pain or whatever it is. Cause I mean, I remember my, my, my dad had a cancer three times and um, <clears throat> was a very angry person and you know, he died of, pro of, of prostate cancer. And he also, um, gosh, I just forgot what it's called where you lose your mind or you lose your memory. Of course, I, of course I forgot what it's dementia. Called. Dementia. There you go. Dementia. dementia. Yeah. He would have, he would eat breakfast and then say, what are you trying to starve me? Cause we just take the plate away. I'm, I'm hungry. Why aren't you feeding me? Like, well, dad, you just ate. You don't remember eating. I didn't just eat it. And you know, he went, I didn't just eat. And in my head, I could hear bitch feed me some food. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, like seriously, had forgotten. And, and so when I started having the short term memory loss, I'm like, Oh shit. Turned in my dad. But anyway. Yeah. That's sad when that happens and it's hard, you know, on family members as well as the person. So it's, uh, you know, you just got to try to help them the right. best you can. But, uh, so when I'm working on the body, um, 
you know, your hands are on the physical tissue and sometimes you'll get drawn into an area that feels different. Like it's maybe there's sometimes it feels like a tissue tension and sometimes it feels like an area where it's like a little bit chaotic. Like it feels like the tissues has got a stirring quality. Um, And that's sometimes an area where you could maybe reasonably say that there's either emotion or a thought process or a story that's connected to this particular area of the body. And um, so sometimes you'll be on an area and you'll feel the tissue either releasing or unwinding in your hands and the person can have an emotion. I've, had somebody yesterday on my table that just started crying when I was working on her jaw. And sometimes you'd think that like, maybe, you know, uh, she, sometimes it's not necessary for the person to, to dive deep into the story. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not claiming to to be one, but I know enough to how to like, at least guide somebody through the process and at least, you know, if they, anything kind of, um, you know, if they need some support psychologically and always try to refer out, but, you know, I know enough to try to help them try to at least connect the dots to what it might be. And to try to think, is there a thought that's coming to you? And is there, you know, do you feel anything? Is there an emotion? And sometimes they'll come out with it. Sometimes they have no idea, but really sometimes what's the most important is if they have no idea what it's about, that they connect to what the actual emotion is. Like if it's a feeling of sadness, they might not need to know, oh, this is when I, you know, right. my mother did this to me when I was five, you know, but it's, but that they can connect to what the emotion is. And that's the physical part of their body that might be storing right. that emotion. And then they can discharge it. And generally that sometimes makes people, you know, feel better either physically from their pain mm-hmm. or sometimes, you know, a lightness in their emotions or can really make something function better, like a digestive tract, mm. which sometimes they call it the second brain. And you release sometimes part of the digestive tract can be really emotional for people. You start to release parts of their colon or their stomach wow. and, and their liver, liver sometimes with anger and, you know, anger can come out or deep sadness if you release somebody's liver, for instance. And sometimes um, the liver will actually, the liver numbers will, you could see on a, a liver panel on a blood report that the liver is functioning better afterwards. Interesting. So, you know, and that's not what I would advertise on my website. Right, but right, right. It's, no, I'm not saying I'm going to make your liver numbers better, but <laughs> it sometimes is a, um, you know, a, a you know, uh, an outcome of the treatment when you're simply just doing a gentle mobilization of a tissue and maybe there's a discharge of a, you know, a, an emotion or an energetics. And then they go back to their doctor. I had a, plenty of patients come back and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, my, my liver uh, numbers were way better and, and they don't know why. And then sometimes I'm not claiming that yeah, that's because I released your liver, but it's um, you know, I think it's quite possible. It's interesting because I, I love what you said. You know, this person was crying on the table. They didn't actually connect to a story. You know, you were asking, no, what's coming up for you? Well, you know, whatever. And they don't come up with And I'm wondering if that is the PTSD, because, you know, for me personally, when I was in the space of being willing to let it unwind, I started having the, I'm going to put in quotes, night terrors, where I would recall things and be like, oh, yeah, for, that actually did happen, didn't it? You know, where something traumatic happened in my childhood and I had blocked it out of my memory. It's a survival technique according, uh, you know, to the, you know, the body keeps a score. You, you do that on purpose so you can actually move on in your world. And I'm, I'm wondering, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, the answer, I'm just having this conversation with you, you know, is this person actually connected um, on some level to that memory, even if they can't, actually cognitize it that is yeah meaning release you know i think that's true and and you know with ptsd or other psychological conditions you could potentially sit in a chair and talk for years about getting through the ptsd and saying this is you know my childhood abuse is um you know um what you're maybe potentially working on and you could talk about it and try to, you know, get through it. Um, but sometimes simply uh, releasing a part of the tissue can actually be therapeutic, you know, therapeutic almost as if you're 
talking about right. it potentially, right. you know, and help somebody discharge it in a different way. So, you know, um, it's, I think, quite important to do both. If somebody does have a history where there's trauma or abuse, I think, do, you know, dealing with it and having, you know, a trained psychologist or a therapist is, you know, important to deal with any kind of uh, fallout from, you know, that may occur, but then also having somebody working on the, the physical body that might be storing these emotions in the fascia or the tissue. And so if you're working on from both angles, I think the outcome could be um, uh, more therapeutic and po possibly quicker. Mm, I love that. I find that a lot with the work that I do. You know, I, I'm going to get my hands on your head one day. It's going to happen. I've, you run my bars. I've asked to run your bars so many times. We're going to have to make it happen, dude. It's it's this thing where um it it it's uh. Can you do it through the computer? No. <laughs> you got like... you got to come and, and get on my little massage table over there, right there. See it. Oh, it's got my assistant's purse on it because right now this is her bedroom. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I digressed. No, it's 32 points on the head. If you guys don't know what Access Bars is, go to YouTube and get so much free shit up uh, stuff about Access Bars. Access We'll bleep that out later. <laughs> we bleep, bleep, bleep. 32 <laughs> points on the head. Um, I liken it to meridian points, okay? And what it is, it's like a delete button for the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that are keeping you stuck in whatever you've made significant, PTSD or otherwise. And it's not that you forget, and in my case, I forgot a lot of it, but it's not that you forget that stuff that is stressing you out. It's that you don't have a charge anymore. It's like the best massage you've ever had with your clothes on because you're so relaxed when you get off the table, you know? And the cool part is the person that's running the bars on you is, has any of the same points of view that the person that they're facilitating for, it's like you're gifting and receiving a session because it also deletes it for you. I had a guy, um, I'm not going to say his name, but um, he, he played some uh, tracks on some songs that I wrote, my personal stuffs. Bass player, amazing. His father was an amazing drummer, and he went through a shit ton as a child, I had no idea. He came for a session because some stuff was coming up. And because there was so much abuse, I mean, this guy, um, the parents broke up and the mother ended up dating somebody who was like a drug dealer and then wanted to kill him because he had seen something that he shouldn't have seen at like age six or seven. Crazy story. But as I'm running his bars, I am doing my best to stay awake because some of the same energy that he's going through relates to my stuff. And so there I was running his bars. I'm like, oh my goddess, I can barely keep my eyes open. I was yawning and yawning doesn't mean you're going to sleep. Sometimes it means you're actually, you know, dissipating and trying to uncreate whatever it is in your cellular memory, at least with this work. And so Steve, I'm gonna get my hands on your head. It's gonna happen. When, so when you're running the bars, is it, um, cause there's a lot of different disciplines like Reiki. Sometimes they're saying, you, you know, you're drawing from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, universal energy and you're, uh, drawing energy through your hands is what it's not Reiki. like Reiki. Cause I'm not asking for outside help at all. Cause I mean, and, and I, and I'm not saying there's anything against Reiki. I, mean, I have several friends that are Reiki masters and all of that. I, uh, I chose several other modalities before bars. It's interesting because I was doing like tapping and uh, tuning forks and all this, but I found that one bar session was like doing 40 of these other modalities. And that's just for me personally. I'm not saying that's what it's going to be for everyone else in the world. Um, although I will say when I noticed how much shifted for me, I was like, damn, this is something I need to know more about. It's kind of like with you, you know, dog with a bone. Oh my goddess. I have got to know more about this. And then you made it a career. That's what I did. I, not that I left all that other stuff behind. Cause I literally had a client here recently where I had to do tuning fork therapy on them. And you know, your body don't forget. Um, I just found that bars was fast, efficient. Uh, I didn't have to have the person weeping on the table, but if they did, it didn't matter. I mean, you know, they're releasing, I have no point of view about it. Um, 
I don't know, Steve. I gotta get my hands on your head. Just saying. One day. Are you okay? Are you okay? So that's a, uh, made me think of an important concept uh, at the work that um, you know when um, you're, like, say, doing the work that I do. Uh, you, in order to listen and find, because sometimes I'm literally working on like a little pinpoint, you know, and focus on a cranial nerve. So, okay, how do you find that? So, really, one of the best ways to try to listen and feel in the body is to to try to stay in, in as much of a neutral state as possible. Right. So that's the state that you're not, you're not like Reiki, like you're giving and you're not receiving. Cause you don't really know if what that person has is good for you yeah. or what you have is good for that person. So the more neutral you stay, I agree. Uh, it's the safest way to work with somebody, but then it's also the most, the way you can get the most precise and listen to the body and find and listen and locate to the exact structure. And then, so you get there. And then when you're in that listening state, that's when you could actually, I think you could do your best healing is when you're in that neutral listening state. It's almost basically like you're in a meditation mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. if you can stay there. You know, it's basically people maybe say it's equivalent to grounding, but there's a specific uh, training that I did as woman, uh, Christine Schenk. Uh, she was um, in uh, Europe, Austria, Germany, and she would uh, teach a, uh, a technique that she teach you how to like very, very specifically listen. Like, you know, you're, and if it's, as you equate it to like a 90 degree angle, hmm. you're either like, at, you're not, not at 91 and you're not at 89 degrees. You're at 90 degrees. If you're not at 90 degrees, you are not listening properly huh. and you might be getting receiving. So if you stay in that place, so part of the training was trying to t teach that healthy boundary and to keep your energy out of somebody else's and their, theirs out of yours Interesting. and try to stay in that state. So it's like a muscle. You try to build that up. So the more you build that up, the safer you keep everything and the more precise you could be. Wow. And the better you could heal that structure. So it's um, it helps facilitate the release of the tissue and the structure you're working on. Hmm. This is what I hear, y'all. Bodies is smart. Just saying. It's smarter than any doctor you'll ever meet. Hello. So if you don't respect the body and you don't listen to it and you don't follow it, you'll be like a dog chasing your tail around in a circle, trying to outsmart the body. You're never going to never gonna outsmart the body. So you may as well work with it and follow it and respect everything about that it's showing you mm -hmm. and know that it's never going to lie. It's never going to show you the wrong thing. So it takes all the pressure off of what I do. Like sometimes, you know, I'm like, well, okay, this person has this tangled web of history. Right. What do I do? You know, it's, so you really take all the guesswork out. It's actually very comforting for me because I just, I just put it all behind me. I'm like, okay, the person just told me all the aches and pains and all the trauma they just had. And, and then I try to just go blank. I just try to go blank state, go into neutral, close my eyes and, and try to like really uh, zone into what the body's showing me. And that area is called the primary lesion. So the primary lesion is uh, the, the number one spot you want to work in the body. There's not the number two or three. It's the pri primary lesion. It's an osteopathic concept that if you go there first, you're doing the most efficient thing you could do for the person. Wow. So then when you clear that enough, sometimes, you know, you could get it uh, fully. Sometimes you could get it partially, but it'll be like, you know, this area is the primary lesion and you could get it to come down enough where something else becomes more primary. And you listen, you follow the body around like a trail guide. <laughs> so you'll be like, here's the primary lesion here in the liver. So I'll do visceral manipulation Here's the primary lesion. Okay, that's the right bronchi. Or maybe there's some, you know, something going on with the wrong bright, bron right bronchi. So you could do visceral work there. Then it comes up, you could do in the, there's a, getting pulled into the nerve complex of so the right brachial plexus. I'm doing nerve mobilization. That leads up into the head and goes maybe into the trigeminal nerve on the right side. So I'm doing nerve mobilization. And then you could go dive deep into the head. You could be maybe working on the hypothalamic pituitary axis, you're doing craniosacral or some uh, brain work, you know. So you could you kind of follow the body around like a trail guide while staying neutral and listening to the body. And then, yeah, you, you could do the, that's how you could do the most, uh, the highest good for whoever's on my table for an hour. I got an hour with people in their lives. I'd 
you know, that's, I got to do the best I can. I know he just spoke a lot of Greek in those last minutes and a half. And that's okay. Did you say something? Because I was following the energy of it, but I didn't understand a word that came out of his mouth. So if you felt the same way, don't feel bad. No, I followed the energy of it. I get it. You're like in it to win it. You know, you're like following the energy, going to that space. That's kind of like how bars is, if you'll ever get your ass over here. And um, all the things. And I could talk to you forever. I could. I might have to actually have you on the podcast again because you... You have a plethora of knowledge here and I'm fascinated and I might want more for the book. I don't know. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to figure that out. But um, if I have two questions for you before we go. So one is if you were going to leave my listeners with something, um, you know, like you want to share a message with them. I don't know. Uh, something that works for you. It doesn't necessarily have to do with what you do, but if you could share something with them a takeaway what could that be i mean since i brought it up here i think trying to find your neutral place every single day can allow you to listen to your not just other people like can probably allow you to listen to yourself and really feel what's true uh you know from decision making to how you're feeling on any given day or thinking on any given day. So if you can tap into your own self and listen to your own self by finding this very quiet, neutral place, mm -hmm. uh, you can really learn a lot about yourself and probably be guided by what maybe you're going to do on any particular day or put in your body from nutritional standpoint on any given day and who you might want to see as a practitioner. And I know you, you do a lot of asking of your own body and i think you listen quite well to yourself and i didn't encourage a lot of people to do that for themselves yeah i hear you saying honor and trust your knowing because your body is so freaking smart y'all and if it's talking to you ask questions to listen yeah yeah and you just have to listen and and care to listen and your body will it'll pay dividends and your body will take will really take good care of you if you listen and give it what it needs and what it's asking for. Yeah. My body gets really excited because I actually co-create with it. Oh, you're listening to me. Finally. I mean, most of the time, actually my body's a boss of me like 80% of the time. I'm going to say now, I'm, I mean, I'm proud to actually be able to say that because there was a time where it wasn't even, you know, 5%. So mm, thank you for that piece. Okay. The second question, it is called the choosing happiness podcast. So how do you get your happy on? Is there something you want to share? Like, you know, you want to like be there for you. Something that excites you. I know you got, you know, the wife, the children's, your practice. What do you do for you to get your happy on, dude? Yeah, they definitely bring me happiness. But if I'm looking for happiness and, you know, um, that I could kind of a flip of a switch, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I love music. So... I, you know, I basically, whether I'm like driving or walking or going to see live music or yeah, just simply putting it on at home, it always makes me happy. Who's your favorite? <laughs> my favorite band? I don't know. The best Wait. band on the planet, I think, is a band called Fish. No way. P-H-I-S-H? Mm -hmm. Shut up. I have all their albums. Are they still around though? Yeah, they're coming in October. Oh, shut the front door. We got to have a conversation. I'm just saying. Do you sing or have an instrumental kind of bone in your body thing? No, but I can, I can dance. Well, show us. I think that that's partially how I became sensitive in my body is through music and through dance. Can you show us a dance move before we go? No way. <laughs> I showed you one. <laughs> I, I said, you know, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> all right. Do you want to sing us a little tune before we? Oh God, I didn't claim to. I could claim to do like craniosacral. I didn't claim to. Well, that's to true, but you know, sing. I just asked you how you got you happy on. So, well, I like to listen to music. Yeah, I'd sing in the the shower, but I'd, I'm probably he not. likes to sing in the shower. Oh yay! <laughs> all right then, you're off the hook.
this. Yeah, I would thank you. I Office. appreciate that. This time. All right. So you guys or whatever. Okay. So I'm going to put it in the show notes, but for those that are not on the YouTube, where could the peeps find you? Well, I have a practice in uh, Green Hills in Nashville and uh, I have uh, my website is very creatively my name, stevekravitz.com. And um, I think in the show notes, you're putting some socials in there. Yep. But uh, uh, yeah, pretty simple Google search would uh, uh, help you find uh, where, where I practice. He's the only Steve Kravitz there is. Just saying. I mean, that does what he do that I know of. Because I actually Googled you before I asked you for your infos. And you're the first one that pops up. So you're doing something right. Yeah. All right, you guys. Yeah, I'm my best. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> I'm dancing again. For those of you not on YouTube. All right, then. I love it so much. Thank you again for being my guest. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, being here. Great conversation. Hey, if you guys enjoy this conversation, you know what you could do. You could hit the subscribe button below. And if you know someone else uh, that could actually hear what we're talking about, like this conversation could be a contribution to them, maybe share it. And here's another thing, y'all. I actually read all the comments. So um, if there's something you'd like for me to look into or questions about any of these podcasts, guests, all the peeps, I'm there for you. You're searching. I'm here for you. I got your back. Okay. So mm, I don't know. Reach out and touch somewhat. Touch me. Whatever. Well, don't, you know, whatever. All right. So Thank you again, Steve. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Until next time. Mm. Ciao, ciao for now. Mm. Thank you so much for choosing happiness. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, share, and give us a like. And if you want more happy, subscribe to the Choosing Happiness membership where you can play directly with me, Rudrani Davy, the happiness lady. How does it get any better than that?